Calls with Kira Stories from the Art World is brought to you by the Kira Art Team, recorded during an unprecedented year and as a celebration of our community. We are fortunate enough to know and work with some of the best in the art sector, and we are delighted to be sharing their fascinating and inspiring stories with you throughout this series. We hope you enjoy learning more about the wonderful world we work in. Please forgive us for the sound quality. These interviews were recorded at home while in lockdown. Stephanie Manessa is a Canadian entrepreneur and founder of SM Art Advisory and the Accessible Art Fair. With the fair, Stephanie has brought together top leaders in the industry to select and showcase the best emerging artists in cities around the world, including Antwerp, Tel Aviv and New York. Stephanie has always been passionate about giving a high-end platform to underrepresented artists in upscale environments, a philosophy that extends to her art advisory and curating practices. She is sought after for her knowledge in the art market, having worked on a number of prestigious projects that range from building philanthropic collections to providing art for upscale hospitality settings. Stephanie was responsible for developing and implementing the art and design sessions for BMW in Belgium, She has spoken at the New York Times Art for Tomorrow conference and had her own TEDx talk in Antwerp on new ways of showing art. Unlike the majority of these podcasts, I have never met Stephanie, so I was very grateful for her time. This episode was recorded in London and Brussels. Hello. So I'll go straight in. So when did your interest in art begin, if you can remember? So I've always been interested in art, and I think that it was my mother who planted the seed because my mother is uh, an artist. She was very, very prolific when I was growing up, and I remember very vividly being surrounded by canvases and paints and flies, um, and she was constantly, constantly working on um, on her art. And she, you know, really planted the seed with us and took us to galleries and museums and and when we traveled there was always an element of culture so you know I think it was really from an early age that I was uh that I was interested yeah I mean I feel like that's lots of people are are saying the same thing I feel like if you grow up with it oh really yeah you're naturally kind of it's just um part of your kind of being you don't really know I know I when I was interviewing um an artist um Jane McAdam Freud so Lucian Freud's daughter Mm-hmm. Um, she was just saying that because both of her parents were artists, she kind of grew up thinking that there wasn't really any other way of being in mm-hmm. life. So when, when you've had it your whole life, she also said that kind of art was the way that they communicated as a family. So they created, they kind of communicated through images and things. So I just thought that was really Isn't interesting. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, what I tried to do with the kids, I mean... They, they've been coming to the art fair since the beginning. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I noticed that they know how to behave around art, which uh, I think kids that are not necessarily around art all the time, yeah. you know, they might poke fun at a n- naked body or, yeah. or they might poke fun at something that's slightly, you know, offbeat. But the, my kids seem to just take it in, yeah. you know, and, and they don't, they they don't they try not to give their opinions too much, but rather just take it in and uh, and you know and just sort of accept it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
So could you tell us, we'll talk about what led you here, but could you tell us about your the current role, um, the business that you've started um, that's based in New York and, and Brussels? Yeah, so um, I started the Accessible Archer here in Belgium, where I live um, most of the time. Um, I started it 14 years ago. And really, at first, it was um, just a platform that I began because I'd seen from my mother's, um, you know, trajectory that it was very hard for unknown artists to get into galleries. Mm-hmm. And in the old days, of course, you know, for artists without galleries, I mean, they pretty much didn't have much of a voice or many opportunities to, to show their work. So when I arrived here in Belgium as a trailing spouse, I... Um, you know, I looked around and I saw that there were so many artists with the same dilemma. Uh, so they had, you know, large bodies of work. Um, they were ready to sell uh, their work, but they had nowhere to, to show their work. Yeah. So I created the Accessible Art Fair as a, as a platform, a high-end platform for artists to have the opportunity to to have access to collectors and to have access to other artists, have access to, you know, a really nice environment in which to, to showcase their work. Yeah. Um, so at first it was a small event with nine artists, and I think we had something like 200 visitors, yeah. which was very exciting. And now, you know, 14 years later, it's turned into um, to an event that's, you know, been on the uh, Brussels uh, cultural uh, radar and uh, and it's really really exciting and we we welcome you know between five and ten thousand visitors depending on the season yeah. and um, we work with a pool of around seventy artists per show. That's it. I mean it's really impressive what you've done and I'm just interested. I mean obviously um, you've explained the reason behind it, but why was the accessible nature of it so important to you? Yeah, so um, I'd seen how inaccessible the art world was at the time. This is going back, you know, 15 years. Yeah. Um, and and going back to what I was saying about uh, about my mother having such difficult access to galleries and to collectors yeah. just because she was, you know, um, running the show by herself. Um, and And so what I wanted to do was to make collectors accessible to the artists and also to give collectors um, access to these artists. So it's all the accessibility really is about bringing people together. Yeah, and I feel like it's really interesting that you started that 14 years ago and that has now become such a kind of theme in the art world is trying to kind of acknowledge the fact that it is somewhat, and it still is, inaccessible and people are trying to change that. But the fact that you did this kind of 14 years ago is really what it interested um, me, definitely. Oh, thank you. Well, I had a TED Talk. I don't know if you've seen it. I had a TED Talk about seven years ago, and I was considered then to be a sort of disruptor on the market, and people were talking about Uber and brands like that who were doing things differently. And I think that now, I mean, I don't really think of of what I do as disruptive. I think Mm -hmm. of it as another alternative to um, to showing art, to selling art. Yeah. Um, And I think that more and more... Um, concepts like these are becoming uh, accepted, yeah. um, and I think, uh, and and especially now with what's going on with COVID, I think that we have to, you know, uh, be as transparent as possible. Um, Definitely, and and, yeah. and opening up the artist studios and getting to know the artists. I think people are really valuing that experience, Definitely. and this is something that we've been doing now for fifteen years. 
is really showcasing the artist and giving the artist that voice. Definitely. And the whole world recently, because of what's happening, has become the art world. I mean, it's become a bit more human. I mean, you get to see directors of galleries in New York giving tours of galleries in their dressing gown. It's just it's made the whole thing a bit more human. Yeah. Yes. And bring, yeah, giving it a human face. And this is what I've been trying to do with the Accessible Art Fair is, yeah. to, give, is to give artists, to give buyers, to give, you know, um, sponsors, to give it all a human face. Yeah. To bring it down to the interaction between the artist and the art lover. Yeah. You know, whether they're a buyer or just there to visit, but it's, it's to, it's to create that contact. Because to be honest, when I first started, I mean, I used to go to the big art fair and I was baffled. I didn't know much about the art world, but I was baffled to see that there were no artists around. Yeah. You know, and I thought, wait a second, you know, there are all these things on the walls that are created by people. Yeah. But we don't see those people. Yeah. There's something wrong here. It's so true. And there is so much disparity in the art world, but you go to some fairs and they're just so intimidating and so far removed from the world that artists exist in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it is, I mean, I don't think that there's any other industry quite like this. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, with factories, we don't see the people who are creating clothes and stuff, but this is, these are things that are going up for sale for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. So, and, and not to see the creator behind it, it's just a little bit, uh, it's a little bit crazy in my opinion, but I think things are really changing. I think so too. And yeah. they, they have been for years, and I think that now with what's happening, I think this is the tipping point. Definitely. And actually, people that I've been speaking to um, on the commercial side are saying that they've been really pleasantly surprised at how um, it hasn't all stopped. And perhaps all of this will make people actually value the opposite of this disposable culture that we've created. So the things mm. that are handmade and they will, they will place value on something that has been handmade and created and knowing the kind of story that's behind that and the kind of then the sentimental value of it. I feel like perhaps that will, that will happen, but things don't seem to be slowing down. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, I, I've actually been very busy. I've yeah. been making lots of sales and I'm very grateful for that. I think that, uh, I think people are also realizing like, you know, people in my, in my, um, you know, my, uh, my collectors, you know, who are new collectors, young collectors, I mean, they're, they're just using this as an opportunity as well to purchase works of art. Yeah. Because they have the time yeah. to, you know? So, as well as the fair, you also have an ongoing art advisory company as well. And so, what kind of art do you specialize and, and advise on? You know, I work in all kinds of art. I mean, I, I am also even involved in blue chip stuff. So I'll work from the emerging to the blue chip, whatever people are looking for. Now, mostly what I work on are projects, you know, rather than um, clients, you know, clients will call me and ask me for, for types of work that they need for their home or their office or as a gift or whatever. But with the art advisory, what I work on mostly is projects. So with brands, as you've seen on my website, I work with various brands like BMW, like Montblanc, and work on projects for them. So um, lots of corporate-related um, stuff. And uh, and then I also work, like, for example, now I'm working on a solid exhibition at the Jewish Museum in Belgium for May 2021. Okay. 
So with this art advisory, I think uh, what I've developed over the years is, is really um, like a one-stop shop for anyone needing an art project done. So it's also kind of curatorial then in that respect, if it's, if it's, piece, if it's um, for exhibitions and projects, there's a kind of curatorial rather than just art advisory aspect to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, the perfect example of uh, a curatorial project is for the Jewish Museum. So what I've been doing is researching the life and the work of Saul Lewitt for the last year and a half. And I've been going to New York and to Yale, where his foundation is, and meeting with his family, who are also very, very much involved in um, in his career. I mean, Saul Lewitt uh, is, is no longer with us. But his family are, are taking care of his um, of his foundation and uh, and all the exhibitions, and they've been great, offering so much support. So so yeah, so um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wonderful journey so far with uh, with these curatorial projects. You said that you work with all types of art. Is it is it something about working with contemporary artists that you find interesting, or is there a particular kind of era in art that you're most fascinated by? Sure. Um, I absolutely love working with emerging artists. I love the idea of discovery, and I love the idea of selling work by um, by young artists yeah. who um, you know who are working and you know trying to find their way also in the art world and stuff. And also bringing you know linking the buyer to the artist is just the most exciting thing. And to tell the artist, you know, I've made these sales for you, um, yeah. and just to experience that excitement. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think I think that's my favorite part. Um, but I also love working now. Like I've been working with Jonathan Prince in uh, in rural Massachusetts, and he's got this incredible body of uh, sculptural work. Mm-hmm. And I just I mm-hmm. I really really love working with large scale work. I think it's exciting, you know, to work on real estate projects and and you know placing a work that 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 you know with an artist that you work with it's just a it's just a fantastic experience yeah I also found that when I was working in a gallery and and selling works I also found that it was more easy to sell a piece when it was by an artist that you knew well and respected and really liked their work I found that process easier when there was like a story and there was a person attached to it Exactly. It's yeah. the same for me. I mean, I you know, I get artists write, writing to me every day, asking me if I could represent them, if I could sell their work through the advisory. And I tell them mostly no, because I don't have a relationship with them. Yeah. So I tend to work better with the artists that I've I've worked with at the art fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, who've also been vetted by the jury and stuff. And we've had conversations about that I've met during the fair, that I've, you know, sold their work. And that way, the the relationship can develop from there. But starting from zero, I find it very difficult. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Completely. And I tend to turn a lot of people down. Yeah. Yeah. So, as um, someone who's also started a business, could you maybe explain what it's like being your own boss within this industry? Um, whether that's changed and what challenges you have faced, um, and maybe you know if you've got any examples how you've kind of overcome those challenges. Let's see. Being my own boss, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way. I um, cannot imagine working in an office 
you know, every day. I can work in an office maybe as a consultant once a week or something, but to actually work for someone else in an office five days a week, that would never be for me. Yeah. I love the creativity that goes into, you know, coming up with ideas, coming up, you know, with my team. I have a great team that I work with, um, but I am an ideas person. So I'm constantly, constantly, constantly coming up with ideas. So um, having it any other way would just be impossible for me. I don't think I would be very happy doing anything else. Um, the challenges are, of course, that you never know month to month what your income is going to look like. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important that, uh, that I have a good support network here at home. And, uh, and then, you know, of course, some months are better than others. Um, and I think that is the biggest, uh, that's the biggest challenge. I have tried not to be too hard on myself yeah. over the years. Yeah. And I've tried to accept that, you know, some things work better than others. Yeah. And I've also been open to feedback from people. Um, you know, there's been, it's been a difficult and winding road. I mean, starting an art fair is kind of insane, yeah. you know, and I probably, you know, if you'd ask me what I do now today, I think, oh my goodness, maybe not. But I was younger and I was, uh, and I just felt like there was the right market for it. And yeah. I, you know, even if I made mistakes, I think I forgave myself for those mistakes and tried to learn from them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I don't know, I feel proud of, of my accomplishments and also of my mistakes. It's totally fine. So if, yeah. I, if, you know, if I were to give advice to a younger person, I'd be like, just go easy on yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're very brave. I mean, being brave to start something new and, and, uh, and also in a place that is very conservative. I mean, Belgium is very, very conservative. So if you're young and if you're, you know, not from the country and if you're doing something disruptive and different, I, chances are it's going to be a very difficult time to try to get uh, accepted. Yeah, well, you've done and amazing. It was, well. it was, but it was okay. Yeah. Mean, that's life. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I had a Zoom call yesterday with fifty people, and they asked me, you know, some similar questions, and they were like, "Do you have any regrets?" And I said, "Actually, no. You know, I, I, the only thing that I regret is not taking more risks." Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I had two young children and, uh, and, you know, it's tough to take risks when you have, when you have young kids. You have to take very calculated risks. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which, which I did. So, but, you know, like I've had, I've had requests to do the fair in India. I've had requests to do the fair in, um, in California. And, and it's just like I, I've had to say no because I just don't have the time and the energy to. Yeah to do it. And I'd rather do other projects as well. My goal with the art fair is not to take over the world, you know? My goal with the art fair is really to get people to buy from emerging artists um, and and to do it well and yeah. to have it, you know, here and and in New York. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, no, my goal also is to work on some incredible projects to help, you know, get the get the art world moving a bit and to do things slightly different Yeah. in the meantime. Well, good for you. I mean, on that note, do you have a career highlight or project that you're particularly proud of? And is there anything that you're really looking forward to working on in the near future? Um, a couple of things. So I'm, I'm actually very proud of my accomplishment with the Accessible Art Fair. Yeah. I think it's come a long way. And I love the fact that now it's a mature business. 
and that, you know, artists really look forward to it, and it's part of the cultural calendar in a country where, you know, I'm a guest. So that's really, that's really fun. Um, I'm very, very excited for my project at the Jewish Museum in May 2021, presenting the work of Saul Lewitt. I think it's, it's very exciting to have the opportunity to work with such an important uh, group of people and to present such an important artist who's really impacted um, you know, how we see art today. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really, really exciting. I think that's, uh, that's plenty to be proud of anyway. Um, oh, thank you. And do you collect art yourself? Yes, I do. I collect mainly, um, from artists, uh, at the fair. Yeah. So, um, there's this, uh, little ritual that I have at every fair. I go around and I choose one work of art. Um, that I purchased, and uh, I've been doing that for years, so I have a nice little collection. And did you, I mean, you say that your um, mother was an artist. Did you um, inherit any works? I mean, did your family collect? Was it something that was very kind of natural to you to be surrounded by artworks? It was very natural to be surrounded by her work and also the work that she collected. Yeah. Um, And I... um, I have a few of her works at home, which is great to have. And she is actually still very prolific. I mean, she's in her mid-70s and still painting a lot. Amazing. Um, which is very exciting. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually working with a um, a former UNHR worker, so from, you know, the, the from the UN, and yeah. who is now uh, retired. And she contacted me thanks to the free calls that I do, that I offered on the first two weeks of the confinement. I offered, you know, a chance for people to reach out to me and to ask me any questions with regards to art. Anyway, this woman uh, who's based in Geneva is a retired UNHR worker, and she is opening up a gallery for African artists uh, who are female. And she asked me to help her with the concept, with the uh, press, communications but also to curate the uh, collection and I was really happy actually she's opening next year and I was really happy uh, I showed her some of my mom's work my mom is from uh, Morocco so from yeah. North Africa yeah and she just purchased a few of her work so it, it oh, you know it's come amazing. full circle yeah yeah so my mom is in this woman's collection which is just fantastic that's a lovely story that's great yes Yes. And then finally, and I, I'm going to ask everybody um, on the podcast the same last question, and that's if you could own any work of art from any time period, irrespective of cost and its location, what would it be? It's really tough um, <laughs> because part of me, part of me wants to say absolutely Frida Kahlo. I would love to own anything by Frida Kahlo. Yeah. Look at that every day, and to you know to connect with his artwork that I just. I mean, the colors and the, and the, and just everything about Frida Kahlo's work speaks to me. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm very much attached to sculptural works now. And, you know, in the last few years, I've, you know, learned and, and really connected with, uh, with sculpture. So I think that it would have to be a Richard Serra. Okay. Nice and choice. Yes. I love Richard Serra. Yeah. It makes me feel so good. And I just, you know, it just reminds you how small we are in this vast, vast world. Um, and uh, and it's just, a, you know, when I go to Dia Beacon, I try to go maybe two or three times a year. 
mm-hmm. uh, when I'm in the States. And, you know, I stand there looking at Richard Serra and I just think, this just makes me happy. Yeah. So, so yeah. I like that answer. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. That was really interesting. Oh, thank hear. you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at curaart.com and see you next week for another call with Cura.